Thank you so much for prayerfully uh, lifting us before the Lord as we were gone in, uh, uh, to, on a mission trip. I felt your prayer. I knew you were lifting us before the Lord. And uh, I just got home last night. And uh, so anyway, I don't really know what time zone it is, but I'm pretty sure it's European time zone. All right. And so we were in Ukraine for a, a week, a little over a week. And then I went to Romania for a few days and got home uh, last night. And so uh, uh, I am ready to go. I'm looking forward to what God has to say. I know that you were praying for me and lifting me before the Lord. You say, Pastor Tim, what were you involved in doing over there? Well, uh, I don't have time to go into all of that today, but I do want to share a few things. We were invited to go over and uh, encourage pastors in Ukraine. And those brothers, it was great. We flew into Kiev, and then went over to a city called Zatomer, and over 300,000 people, and were able to uh, train and equip and encourage pastors in that region. We stayed in a pastor's home and, uh, and uh, was able to minister to several pastors. We did two different pastor training clinics while we were there, this, and uh, so uh, those were just uh, fantastic. I sent you a little video clip also of a leadership training event that we were doing uh, last week. And so uh, thank you for praying for us. Then during the week, we went and we preached the gospel and shared Christ in uh, village churches. And then we went to um, uh, place, uh, uh, we went to uh, children's centers in the cities. And uh, these are street children that their parents aren't taking care of them, and they're at risk of being assigned to an orphanage. And they don't have um, foster care exactly the way that we do, but they're assigned to a, a, um, a center. And we were able to spend time with those children. Many of them, their parents are alcoholics or drug addicted or not caring for their, their children, and they're on the streets. And we were able to invest in poor lives in those kids. We were also able to go to orphanages and share the gospel and talk to kids and encourage them. We also were invited to go and speak in public schools. It's, you say, Pastor, you were invited to public schools? Yes, we were in public school almost every day. And here's the difference. They were coming out of communism where, it was, where atheism was taught. And you were not allowed to mention the name of God in a public school. Now we are greeted by public school administrators and teachers and say, please do a program in our school and please tell us about God and tell us about Jesus because we need to know him. One is coming out of darkness, embracing light. I think about our own country that seems to be rejecting light and embracing darkness. And we need to pray. Amen? Amen. And be the light of Jesus in this world. There's story after story about those. We were at one, we went to an, uh, we also went to a retirement folks' home and a, 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 a senior, they don't have a great system in caring for the aged. And so we were in one of these homes that care for aged people in one of the villages and went, uh, we did a little program with those senior adult uh, 
uh, senior adults, and they, they sang for us. I have a video of some of that, but I can't show it this morning. But it was fantastic. And then we ate uh, lunch there, and then in the afternoon, the parents and school teachers brought the, chil- little, the children, not little children, but uh, school-aged children, to this senior uh, living uh, place where they have an auditorium, a small auditorium, and, I w- and they crowded in there with parents of these children, and we did some games, we sang some songs, we shared, and then I was having the opportunity to share the gospel. And it's filled with senior adults, and then young children, and then their parents, and then faculty and teachers from the schools, and I was able to share the gospel of Christ. And in a glorious moment that I knew the Lord's presence was there, I started sharing the gospel out of the book of Genesis. And I started talking about the creation of man and how God created us and made us and told the story of Adam and Eve. They listened so closely. And I'd ask them questions, and they were trying to answer the questions with me. As I was, and then I talked about the death that came into the life and the shame and the lostness. And I started talking about the consequence of sin and being excluded from the garden. And then I said, their story is ours. And when I said, how many of you know that you have committed sin against God and disobeyed him, and you feel that shame in your life, and hands just went all, all in the room. And then I ran to the cross and talked to him about Jesus and what he did, how he died. He lived a perfect life, and he showed us who God was. He came to redeem us, and he died on the cross for all of our sin. And all of your sins and all of mine he paid for because he never did anything wrong, but he paid for our sins so that we may be made right with God. As I was sharing that story, I turned, because my translator hesitated, and her name was Kata. And when I turned, my translator, tears flowing down her face. And when I said, who wants to receive Jesus as Savior? She raised her hand. And uh, along with 24 others who received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior on that day. It was a glorious moment. And I knew then that I had a church family praying for me. God, you worked in lots of ways. We were able to see Pastor Benny in Romania on the way back and uh, stayed in their home. And that was great. And they said to bring greetings back to you, Pat, Benny and Graziella. Remember, they were here this past summer. And, said, and they showed me the church and all the things they got done because of the great offering our church gave them through our global missions giving, and which blessed them incredibly. And he was showing me uh, the work that had been done, and, and that was fantastic. And then um, uh, I went to some orphanages and spent some time with children that we, we try to help. And, and then uh, I delivered food, and I went with Brother Benny and some of the members of his church to a place outside of the city of Lagos, Romania, where Ephrata Church is at. And uh, they are partnering with a church in Mondial and, um, and, and distributing food to the poorest of the poor in this area. And it really touched my heart. When we go on our mission trip this summer to Romania, 
we'll be at Brother Benny's church in Ephrata doing Bible school in the morning. But in the afternoon, we're going to go to Mondial. Mondial is the poverty is unbelievable. And the squalor and the, the poor conditions that they live in is unbelievable. And when we delivered food, it was just like, it was, it was just unbelievable. And every week they receive food. And um, there's no running water in most of these places. They have to go outside in the winter and they pump it from a well. And there's no, it, it's just, there's no bathroom facilities, no shower facilities in this whole vi- extension of this village. And um, I was there, and while we were ministering among them, uh, my heart just broke. And um, in that moment, I, I made just a little testimony video, and I, I want you to watch it with me for a moment. This afternoon, I'm in Mondial, which is just outside Lagos, Romania, and uh, I'm with Pastor Benny and Alex from the Mondial Church, and we're delivering uh, groceries to the poorest of the poor in this region. People living on less than uh, $150 a month, uh, many of them more, less than that, all, like $50 a month. And they live in places that used to be horses' stables, and um, there's open sewer in the streets, and in the ditches, and there's no, they have to go to community bathrooms, and uh, the people live week to week dependent on welfare of churches and Christians to give groceries. And uh, this week I've just seen an incredible food ministry, and uh, with that food ministry comes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our global gifts, missions giving is helping support Men like Benny Andrew take the gospel to this area. And I thank you, Bethel, for being supportive. God's at work around the world, and I want to invest all the money that we can to help lives be changed with the gospel of Christ. Thank you. It's a joy to partner with you. And taking the gospel around the world. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to be on mission. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for brothers and sisters faithfully serving in churches around the world. And Father, we thank you for your great love that you gave your one and only Son, that you so loved the world that you gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Father, for so loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the book of Acts is where we were at last time I preached, so would you open your Bible and find with me Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter number 3 is where we're at, and I encourage you to... Now, don't get obsessed about filling in all the blanks today, all right? We'll see how many we get done, all right? And so uh, Acts chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 11. And while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, 
utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of you all. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer and therefore suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who's been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and sisters. You must listen to everything he tells you, and everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, All the prophets who've spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold these things. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. As we look at this passage of scripture, we notice that there was a great miracle that took place and Jesus and Peter is dealing with the miracle of this life transformation. Remember, Peter and John were on their way to the temple, the hour of prayer, and there was a man begging and they said, silver and gold have we none, but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene, rise and walk. And the man reached up and grabbed their hand He was miraculously healed, and everyone in the temple complex was confronted as he goes into the temple, and everybody sees him leaping and walking and praising God because of the transformation in his life. When God does a work of transformation in somebody's life, the whole world is confronted with a life that's no longer the same, that's changed, that's different. And so this, young, this man is holding on to Peter and John. He, 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 he won't leave their side. He's standing right by him. Notice in verse number 11, he's holding on to Peter and John, and all the people are astonished. And they come to him. A big crowd gathers. Now, Peter, uh, he knows what to do when he gets a crowd. He's going to preach Jesus. And they're in Solomon's Colonnade, which is uh, it's a part of the temple complex that was left standing from Solomon's temple days and uh, in Herod's restoration. This was 
a, uh, a very important place in the restoration. It was Solomon's colonnade. And so they're holding to Peter, and, and notice he addresses them. These are Jews he's addressing. Fellow Israelites, he says. Why are you amazed at this? So he's preaching to these Jews, and he's preaching to, because he's in the temple complex, and he says, I don't know why you're astonished by all of these things. He says, now let me clarify something for you. Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or our own godliness? Let me clarify first thing in this miracle. It's not our power that changed this man's life. It's God's power. And it's not our holiness or our righteousness or our godliness. It's the name of Jesus that's done at this man. And then, and, and then he says, God glorified the name of his son, Jesus, whom you denied. And so he's making that clear. And he says, this man was transformed because of the power of Jesus' name, but also faith in that name. We believe, and this man believes, and by faith, by grace, are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Faith in whom? Faith in the name of Jesus Christ alone. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. And I'll get a drink of water. (coughs) So, it's recapping this. It's his name that made him whole. Secondly, the meaning of this life transformation. And so, notice in verse number 13, he continues on of of what the meaning of this is. Notice what he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our forefathers, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, whom Jesus, Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate. Now, Jesus lived among us. You knew him. You called him the Nazarene. He was from Nazareth. You did not believe in him. You denied him before Pilate. Even though Pilate had decided to release him, you clamored for him to be killed and a criminal released. Notice, you denied the holy and righteous one, verse 14, and asked to have a murderer released to you, Barabbas. And so he says, this is what you have done. You not only have done this, you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. You want to know what you did? God sent his son and you denied him. You want to know what you did? God sent his son, a holy and righteous one, but you wanted him killed and a murderer released. You rejected God's only son. That's what you did. This is no health, wealth, and prosperity gospel here. This is not tickle your ears preaching here. It's the truth. You're sinners, and you've killed the Son of God. But you can't kill the source of life. God raised him from the dead. Amen. Well, I'd love to have heard that sermon, wouldn't you? I think one of the reasons that there's not life transformation happening in our churches is the preaching so anemic and weak. We need to preach the truth. So Peter continues his message. Notice what he says to him in the meaning of this. He says, Jesus is the Messiah. That's what he's moving toward. Look, 
He says, you killed the source of life. God raised him from the dead. We're all witnesses of this. And by faith in his name, this man is strong. The guy standing by him, clinging to him, whom you see and know. You know this guy. You walk into the temple every day. You know that he sat outside the gate and begged. You know him and his family. And this man's life's been changed. And it's faith that comes through Jesus that's given him his health in front of you all. And then he goes on. He says, I know Verse 17, you acted in ignorance just as your leaders did. But in this way, God fulfilled what he predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. What you don't understand is what you did was wrong, but God was still working. Even though you meant it for evil, God worked it for good. Because the prophets foretold that his Messiah would suffer for us. Amen? So in this sermon, there's two things going on. What you did, but what God did. What you did was evil and wrong and sinful, but what God did was merciful and grace and kindness to us. Isn't that amazing? I don't have this on a screen, so if you look with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. You have your Bible. Isaiah chapter number 53. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. Who's that? Jesus, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone who people turned away from, literally from one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him, we valued him not. He himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains We in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, afflicted. We looked on him as if he were despised and rejected and cursed. But he was doing something for us. Verse 5. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. Jesus was bearing our sins. He must suffer because He, the Lord, has put all of our iniquity on Him, all of our sin on Him. This is the message, the message of life transformation. The message is for all of us. So when He comes to this great message that He's preaching... Notice that he comes, look at Peter's preaching. 
he comes to making a decision. Notice in, in, in preaching, in verse number 20, 19, therefore, as a result, because of this, this is your response, repent and turn back to God that your sins may be wiped out. So what must I do? Repent from sin. First of all, repent. That is an act of your will. It's a turning. It's a change of your mind. It's a change of your purpose. It's a change of your thinking. But it's more than that. It's not only a change, but it's a turning. And it's a turning back to God. Turning from sin, turning to God. This is two sides of repentance. Repentance is not feeling sorry for your sin only. This week, I was talking to somebody about their sin, and the person was sorrowful about their decision, but they weren't repentant about it. They felt bad about the consequences of their sin, but they weren't broken about their sin. You'll never be transformed until you realize that was wrong. That is sinful. That's against holy God. My sin is is deplorable. My sin is destructive. My sin brings death into my life. And I turn, I reject it, and I turn to God. This is where life transformation happens. Amen? It's repentance. Folks, you can't share the gospel without talking about repentance. It's a turning from sin. It's our part. We don't save ourselves. The truth of the matter is, unless the Holy Spirit does convicting, we're so blind we won't ever repent. But when God's Spirit convicts us There is an act of will. There's a decision of turning and repenting. And that's the force of these verbs. Repent and return to God. That's what you do. It's it's turning to Him. God gives us motivations for these. First of all, His truth He gives us. In John chapter 20, He says, Jesus performed many signs in the presence of His disciples, that are not written in this book, Paul, and he goes on to say, but these are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. God has given us his word so that we might know truth and turn from sin and turn to Christ. Amen. Second motivation is sorrow. There needs to be godly sorrow. I rejoice not because you were grieved, because your grief led to repentance. You were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief, godly sorrow produces a repentance not to be regretted and leading to salvation, but worldly grief, worldly sorrow just produces death. When God breaks your heart about sin, he's doing a work in saving you in your life. Thirdly, God's goodness and kindness should lead us to repentance. Paul said in Romans 2, 4, do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, 
not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I know there's not fill in the blanks on this part. This is bonus. Good stuff. All right? God's goodness and kindness. But also the fear of final judgment. Acts 17.30. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. This is what Paul preached in Athens. Because he set a day when he's going to judge the world by, in righteousness by the man he has appointed. Unless you repent, Jesus said, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist preached it. Paul preached it. Peter preached it. The early church preached it. You won't have life transformation unless you repent of sin. What, what will God do? Not, not just about what we do in our repenting, but what does God do when you repent of sin? Number one, this gets to the good part of the sermon. Ready? Are you ready? Awesome. First of all, he removes all your sin. Praise the Lord. Can somebody say hallelujah? All of your sin he gets rid of. Removes them. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he moved our transgressions from us. Amen? And this is what he will do for you. This is what he does for me. Your sin and all of its inkiness, its blackness, its awfulness, He pays for it. He removes it from us. Notice verse number 19, that your sins may be blotted out, wiped out. And so he wipes out, he removes all of your sin. Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. Come, let us discuss this. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they will be as wool. Anybody here got some dark sin in your life? Anybody ever wonder, can God ever forgive me for this? There's no sin that's greater than God's grace. The hymn writer wrote, Dark is the stain that I cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, look, there's a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be be today. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Amen? I'm telling you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us, opposed to us. He's taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We have redemption in Him through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. 
There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood and look, lose all their guilty stains. Woo. He's forgiven us of all of our sin. He's blots them out. He removes your sin. Mm. Those brothers that lived in communist Eastern Europe suffered in those churches. Some of the pastors have been very honest in church members. Some of the hardest people for us to forgive are those who've, who betrayed us to the communist. But we've got to learn to forgive them too. Pastor Benny told me, he said, when I was a school child, he said, he said, if you talked about God or you believed in creation, they, they shamed you. They made fun of you. And he said, they, they used to come because me and the family, I grew up was a Christian family. And he said, I didn't, he says, I rejected uh, the evolution, the godless evolution that they taught in school. And I believe that God created me and I had a stewardship and purpose in my life. He said, I couldn't frame it like that, but I just refused to believe what they were saying, that there was no God. And he said, one of the schoolmasters that he had, he would come to him and grab his sideburns and, and grab his sideburns and jerk them up like that. And he said, every day he mistreated me. He said he, he, he abused me. He was hateful to me. And said, so I told my parents because he, he was pulling the hair from my sideburns, uh, from the side of my hair up, and my parents shaved my head so he couldn't grab my hair. And so, you know those wide erasers for pencils? He would take them and he would do the sides of his face with the rubber and cause burns on the side of his face. He said, after the revolution, he said, I'd gone on to Bible school and university and, and trained to be a pastor and, and I'm equipped to be a school teacher. And he said, and the school systems after the revolution kicked a lot of the communist leaders in the schools out. And they brought the teaching of theology into some of the public schools. Oh, would God do a revolution in our world. Amen. <laughs> and he said, the first school I went to applied for the job. Guess who was the principal that interviewed him? the teacher that abused him. And they hired him to teach the Bible in that school. He said, but before I hire you, he said, I need to talk to you privately. And he pulled him into a room privately. And he said, I am ashamed. I ask you to forgive me because I know I mistreated you. But you were right. And I was blind. Isn't that awesome? He removes all your sin. Secondly, he revitalizes your spirit. The seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He, 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 he gives you new life. He revitalizes you. Transforms you in your life. And this is what he does. Notice in John chapter 3, verse 3 to 8. 
Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born from above. Nicodemus, how can anyone be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter a mother's womb? Back up, please. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Notice the next verse. He says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed. I told you, you must be, and I like this translation better, born from above. Born from above. Born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What he's saying is that when you, Nicodemus, you can't save yourself. Nicodemus, what's born of flesh is flesh. But Nick, what needs to happen to you is there needs to be a transformation in your life. And you need to be born from above. God's Spirit working in you. The Spirit that created you. The Spirit that created the world. The Spirit that can recreate you and make you to be a follower of God. Change your life. Hmm. (coughs) Peter said, repent and turn to God. Why? Your sins will be blotted out and the Spirit of God will change you and make you a new person inside. That's good news. Number three, renew your hope that he may send Jesus who's been appointed for you as Messiah. This this is talking about the coming again of Christ. Heaven must welcome him until the times of restoration of all things, which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophets from the beginning. Folks, we are not left without a hope. Jesus Christ is coming again. And he will restore all things. He will renew your hope. Isaiah 35 saw a day of the coming of the Messiah. Say, say to the cowardly, be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like deer. The tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Verse 7, the parched ground will become a pool of water. The thirsty land springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, in their lairs, there will be grass and reeds and papyrus. A road will be there, a, a way. It will be called the holy way, a highway of holiness. And the unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks the path. Even the fool will not go astray. There will be no lion there. No vicious beast will go up on it. For they will not be found there. But the redeemed, they will walk on it. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing. Crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee. I'm telling you, you repent and turn to God. Man, let me tell you what, your sins are wiped about. You're born again from above. And man, you look forward to hope that this world's not as good as it gets. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Well, that's good. That'll preach, man. Uh, number four, he restores all things. 
Heaven will welcome him until the times of restoration of all things, which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophets from the beginning. Matthew 24, Moses said, The Lord our God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among the brothers. You will listen to him and in everything he will say to you. And everyone who will not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who've spoken from Samuel, this is what Peter's saying, from Samuel and those after him have also announced these days. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant, Jesus, and sent him, Jesus, first to you to bless you by returning each of you from your evil ways. What is Peter saying? He's saying to these Jews, God sent his son to you first as an answer to what the prophets preached. He's going to restore all things, though. Matthew 24, listen. The good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed at where? In all the world as a testimony to all nations. Pastor Tim, why do you go other places? Because the gospel's for all nations. And then the end will come. Wow. But there's only one way to have this, and it's in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen. There's not many ways to God. There's one. One. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that find it but narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads to life few there are that find it Jesus is the only way to God and he'll never fail you amen One time I was in a conference center, and I saw in this conference center a spiral staircase, and I wondered, where in the world does that thing go? So I'm sort of curious, so I thought, I'm going to find out. So I walked up that spiral staircase. You know where it went to? Nowhere. It just ended in the ceiling. It was a dead end. I said, well, this is stupid. It was just to look good. So I came back down it. Some of the staff were laughing. This week, tragedy, South Florida, Florida International University, a pedestrian bridge built over a road to connect the university to neighborhoods and businesses. And you all read the news. It said this bridge is so that you can cross safely but it was engineered wrongly and built shabbily and it collapsed and six people lost their lives in devastation. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads only to death. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Peter said,
There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's in the name of Jesus only. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for the word. It's powerful. It's true. It's, it's a great to look at this message of Peter and Lord, know that your Holy Spirit has recorded it and kept it in the Word of God so that we might be instructed in it today. If there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, I pray that today they would give their heart and life to Him and be saved and their life transformed. May they repent of sin and return to God and find forgiveness, renewal, And hope, oh Father, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.